0: And we're going to learn more about the priesthood also, following another chapter on the tabernacle. Exodus 27. God specifically calling for this acacia wood. In the building of the tabernacle and the furniture of the tabernacle. We see in Exodus 27, in the New Living Translation. The construction of the altar of burnt offering, which is outside of the tabernacle. And then the construction of the perimeter of that courtyard, see 150 feet long, this courtyard, and then the light for the tabernacle, if you'd like to read God's word this morning, Exodus 27, you can read the chapter 1 through 21. Let's hear it nice and clearly, please.
1: Exodus 27, NLT version verses 1 through 21. Using acacia wood, construct a square altar seven and a half feet wide, seven and a half feet long, and four and a half feet high. Make horns for each of its four corners so that the horns and altar are all one piece. Overlay the altar with bronze. Make ash buckets, shovels, basins, meat forks, and fire pans. All of bronze. Make a bronze grating for it and attach four bronze rings at its four corners. Install the grating halfway down the side of the altar under the ledge. For carrying the altar, make poles from acacia wood. And overlay them with bronze. Inside the poles through the rings on the two sides of the altar. The altar must be hollow, made from planks. Build it just as you were shown on the mountain. Then make the courtyard for the tabernacle enclosed with curtains. Made of finely woven linen. On the su- in the on the south side, make the curtains one fifty feet long. They will be held up by twenty posts, set securely in twenty bronze bases. Hang the curtains with silver hooks and rings. Make the curtains the same on the north. 150 feet of curtains held up by 20 posts set securely in bronze bases hang the curtains with silver hooks and rings the curtains on the west end of the courtyard will be 75 feet long supported by 10 posts set into 10 bases The east end of the courtyard, the front will also be 75 feet long. The courtyard entrance will be on the east end flanked by two curtains. The curtain on the right side will be 22 feet long, supported by three posts set into three bases. The curtain on the left side Will also be 22 and a half feet long, supported by three posts set into three bases. For the entrance to the courtyard, make a curtain that is 30 feet long. Make it from finely woven linen and decorate it with beautiful embroidery in blue, purple, and scarlet thread. Supported with four posts, each securely set in its own base. All the posts around the courtyard must have silver rings and hooks and bronze bases. So the entire courtyard will be 150 feet long and 75 feet wide with curtain walls seven and a half feet high made from finely woven linen. The basis for the post will be made of bronze. All the articles used in the rituals of the tabernacle, including all the tent pegs used to support the tabernacle and the courtyard curtains, must be made of bronze. Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning continually. The lampstand will stand in the tabernacle in front of the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron and his sons must keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence all night. This is a permanent law for the people of Israel and it must be observed from generation to generation. Praise God.
0: Praise the Lord. Praise God. Is my voice uh, loud enough? Prashant are you able to hear me?
1: Yes, Pastor. Praise God.
0: Praise God. Praise God. I appreciate the reading of the God's Word with reverence and clarity. Perhaps we've never read this... Description of the tabernacle in the various articles and the courtyard, and how God so patiently so specifically mentions every aspect of it He is giving, total construction plan where they cannot mistake or replace with their own idea. Even a small ring, a tenon, a hanging, everything's precisely and once again we see that phrase, make sure you make it according to the pattern that I show you. Our lives are to be constructed, built. Every aspect of our lives. Our individual lives, our family life. Our life in the tabernacle of God's church. The Bible says that we, as individuals, are bodies of the temple of the Holy Spirit, tabernacle of the Holy Spirit, a worship center of the Holy Spirit, and also collectively the church made up of individual temples each of us is called the temple of God. We mentioned about how there were clear restrictions on who can enter in and the penalty of death for those who are not ordained to come near. They couldn't come near the tabernacle. Not anyone and everyone can just even rush into the courtyard. There's a purpose. And the first thing they'd see after going through this 30 foot entrance would be this altar. bronze altar. Sacrifice. The first thing. can't come to God without the blood of Jesus. Impossible. Impossible. Every burnt offering, every sacrifice, points to our Savior, who bore the punishment that should have come to us. It was not just a mere flogging. Death My Lord died for my sins. All of my wickedness. So God can remove that filth from me. I can draw near. They had priests to do that. Mediation work or intermediary work. We have a faithful high priest. The light... Supposed to be burning continually. Jesus is the everlasting light. Everlasting light. He said, Bring the pure oil of pressed olives for the light. And the purpose was to make it burn continually. In Revelation is written that there's no need for the light of the sun. God will do away with everything. But He Himself will be a light. He Himself will light up the new Jerusalem. What kind of light that will be to witness? Brighter than the morning sun. Purer than any light. We want to look particularly on this aspect of holiness. And we will see that with the priests. The way the garments for the priests are instituted. The particular kind of clothing, they couldn't just wear anything. And so we are to be clothed with one thing and one thing only. Righteousness. Holiness unto the Lord. We'll see more of that as we look at the next chapter. But verse 20 says, Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning continually. Christ shines in our lives the word of life only as the Holy Spirit breaks that bread to us. is the most critical discovery for many people. Most people don't realize this. and We've heard it preached here over and over again. So vital for our spiritual lives and everything we do. Everything we are everything we do for God. We must have we must have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We must have the anointing of the Holy Spirit to pray in a manner that's pleasing to God. The impression, the openness to the Spirit, which means that we have to get rid of that sin at that bronze altar. How many people rush into the tabernacle to go meet with God, to pray? How many people draw near to God, but they don't understand how holy He is? They come any way they can and their prayers do not reach the ears of God because of sin has not been dealt with. First thing, enter into that courtyard. you see that? Bronze altar. The horns of the altar. And the Utensils, with the meat forks, fire pans, basins, shovels, buckets, everything has a purpose. Whatever God has given us is to glorify Him and glorify Him alone. Whatever we bring with us on any journey to reach our destination. from point A to point B in our day-to-day lives. First and foremost, we're carrying the presence of God. And that presence must be there when we pray. It's not the omnipresence of God where He's everywhere, but it's the glorious, intimate presence of God where the Spirit of God will move us to pray with reverence, after having done what? Gotten the uncleanness out. Even in the morning calls, the evening meetings, going to church. You must always remember there are two ways to approach God. One is the right way, one is the wrong way. We can only be on one of two roads to reach God in worship, in prayer, and in reading of the Word. The way that God wants is an offering of the body to the Lord and the mind and the heart. Then we can come and pray. First, we must plead the blood of Jesus to cleanse us thoroughly partial cleansing will not do in the presence of God because partial cleansing implies partial defilement and the flesh is alive and well. The Bible says clearly not only cannot flesh and blood inherit the kingdom of heaven but the flesh is hostile to God common with notions of vengeance bitterness, self Worship. Loving oneself. Coming in haphazardly. God takes us out of the street life, so to speak. What is street life? Whether it's in the United States. Or in Asia. Or in Europe. Not only do you have peddlers in the street selling their goods would you have common thieves going and stealing fruit vandalizing living any way they want worse than the animals you can see in the streets of the cities and slums of the world they are driven not only by survival instincts but as the Bible says many of them cannot rest until they do some mischief and so, a person who's clothed, has housing, money in the bank, can act like a street person or a common thief. As it's written about the adulterer, she eats and wipes her mouth and says, I haven't done anything. What, what did I do? God sees, God sees everything. There's no way to approach a tabernacle with God without getting rid of sin. Who, Lord, shall abide in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? Who has the right? Who can approach you? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. The one who walks uprightly. The one who works righteousness with his hands does the right thing. The one who speaks the truth in his heart. Psalm 15 and Psalm 24. Then we'll look at the book of Peter also as we look at the priest's garments. But the impression of this must not be minimized nor missed. cannot come without the offering of sacrifice the Lord said in Leviticus 1711 the life of the flesh is the blood thereof. I have given it to you to make an atonement for your souls why so severe a punishment the penalty of death is what sin brings for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can we see now more and more how much believers miss when they do not read a huge portion of God's Word in the Old Testament to discover how precious and costly our salvation is, how God waited, how He waited. It's certain that the angels desire to look into the salvation of God. They're fascinated eager and the prophets such as Simeon and the prophetess Anna eagerly look forward to the Messiah they're under that old covenant they knew all of these things in the institution of the temple the priesthood and as prophets there were a group of people eagerly looking for God to fulfill everything that the tabernacle stood for everything that the table the lampstand the bronze altar, the bronze lever, every aspect of this building stood forth. They were eagerly looking for God to come into his temple. They knew the prophecies. But the Holy Spirit carried them right into the place where God would come. The question is, are we yielded to the Holy Spirit as Anna and Simeon were? Washed by the blood of Jesus. In right relationship with him. Clean hands, pure heart. Why not? It's not simply shortchanging ourselves. To not get the blessing of God. But it is to invoke a curse. To come to God. Unworthily. To come to the table of the Lord. And eat. The bread. Representing his body. That was broken for us to drink the cup of the grape juice representing the blood of Jesus shed for us. To come unworthily to damage ourselves and even bring death. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He's the express image of the invisible God. the men that were around Jesus for those three or three and a half years. John says in his epistle, the Word was made flesh and he lived among us. Our hands have touched him. The very presence of God. They not only touched the veil of his flesh, as John leaned upon the Lord Jesus' chest, our intimate God, is He not a picture of supreme love to come near us and say, You can lean upon me. But we should not be like a street person. We have been removed, all of us, from an animalistic life, of seeking what to put in our bellies, what kind of comfort we can get. The Christian life is not easy. Those who would make it easy. Are not walking the Christian path. But as you heard the prayer. Is it a joyful life? It's the only true joyful life. Full of joy unspeakable. And Glory. This light is supposed to be burning, but it needs to be fueled by oil. We need the Holy Spirit when we read the Word of God. Should we not pray and not just sing the songs? Come, Holy Spirit, come down on me. How many songs have we sung? Sacred songs God has given us into this church, specifically anointed songs of such variety, not unlike the variety of the blue, scarlet, purple, threaded artifacts, the various uses of silver, gold, and bronze. If any man's work is of this sort, it'll stand. But any other kind of worship will burn, not with the fire of the Holy Spirit, because it's strange fire. It'll destroy the worshiper. These truths are almost self evident as we read the scriptures. May we hunger and thirst for God and say, Lord, when I read every detail, because you said not one jot or tittle, not one iota, not even the slightest punctuation in all of God's law can be erased. It'll go forever. Lest anyone should think this is the Old Testament and all of these details about furniture that has nothing to do with us. We need to know that's the voice of Satan who would try to eliminate a portion of God's living word. But remember he said, make sure you make it according to the pattern I've shown you. There's a copy in heaven. Or I should say the original is in heaven. Will that change for us? The God who tabernacles with us the everlasting light is also the high priest who's come to the mercy seat with his own holy blood. God's building and construction is beautiful. He said, I want you to get beautiful materials. Do it in a beautiful, skillful way. He doesn't want anyone to come slipshoddy. Half-hearted, lip service, arrogantly. How many people come to gardens to see what they can get? Jesus, give me everything I need. Make me comfortable. The tragedy is that the more selfish we live and foolishly, the more self-deceived will become like a frog in that water pot. The water is turned up ever so slightly by degrees with the heat underneath the pot. The frog is sitting there quite comfortable. It thinks nobody can touch me, nobody can move me. I have my relation with my God. But they actually have sin in their hearts. Pride arrogance, haughty eyes, the words they use. It's more about making themselves look good instead of God's glory. Like the frog, the end result is anyone who lives like that will, be, will perish, not even knowing when the judgment is coming. But if the Word of God is read with the Spirit of God, clear warning is perceived it comes into our perceptive abilities a breakthrough happens the glory of God comes in shows us stop using your mouth to speak foolishness your mouth is sacred Oh Lord keep the door of my lips out of watch O oh Lord and it's not until something is taken away from us If we understand the worth of it, and the Lord chastens us, He gave various degrees of punishment and quarantine for the people according to the defilement, either ritual defilement or moral defilement. Both. All of this is so vital for us to read and understand. And always we be like a person with a street mentality. Whether it's on the streets of Brazil or somewhere in India or here in the city. Someone says, well, the Lord Jesus walked the streets. Somebody would even say he's homeless. We're not talking about the external circumstance but the inward attitude. There are those who no matter what you give them, they will not value it or appreciate it. Everything they touch becomes defiled because they're not right in the hearts. No matter what you give them. The people really know God. They're humble and they're reverent. We can always know when the Holy Spirit is with us. One of the defining markers is, will be quieted like a little child like a weaned child instead of throwing tantrums would be quiet to listen to father's counsel to be happy dwelling with him and doing what he says the independent spirit the spirit comes from Satan to try to play God God is purging our church and Pesco and I are continually praying God will continue to purge our church. And there are those who hear the warnings and hear the prayers, the consecration. They can come to the meetings and everything and they still defy God. Yes. We had people like that come in here and they got burned. Not by us, or any human being. They presumed upon God and took Him for granted. We'll see that very, very clearly as we continue to read What the people did in response to all the elaborate, merciful provision of God, with everything concerning the tabernacle, the sacrifices, the presence of God, all that he tried to do, they kept despising it. And so, important for us to resist the temptation to think, oh, this is a good message for this one or that one in the church. First, we need to take the log out of our own eyes, if we are irreverent before God, if we don't have the Holy Spirit when we read or pray, we should be desperately crying for the Lord. It's not just about speaking in tongues or the reckless anointing. First thing is anointing to live a pure life. Light must come in fully into our lives and darkness must go out completely. The light burns in the tabernacle to provide illumination to dismiss darkness God dwells in unapproachable light. All of this symbolic of His willingness to break into our existence with His holy, pure light. The thing that militates against His presence, His light, and everything He wants to do in our lives is self-centeredness. Arrogance. Taking the things of God lightly when worship is going on to be able to sit or stand in a way that is displeasing to God because the heart is not right but the body is there we need the anointing of the holy spirit we need the reverence when we come near to God as the people were instructed to come very reverently and to follow every particular commandment every violation brought penalty we should always remember that those charlatans, hucksters, deceivers, wolves in sheep's clothing who would preach. Jesus paid it all. You don't have to be sin conscious anymore. All you do is there's sin there. You cannot pretend sin is not there because Jesus died on the cross. No, he knows the real deal. We can only be Christ conscious. If that sin in the conscience is dealt with thoroughly, thoroughly, that's the key word, not half heartedly, thoroughly. There are people who cry. The drop of a dime with the drop of a hat, as they say. That's how they're wired. They cry very quickly, easily. The are others who don't cry so easily physically. Inasmuch as the Lord says, Don't rend your garments. Why do you come with the sackcloth and ashes as if you are very religious? You seem to come with the external right furniture and garb, but your heart is not right. God wants a cry that comes from the heart sincere cry Lord the more I hear your word the more I see myself in the mirror of your word I see a lot of ugliness is there that shouldn't be there because you're beautiful if I claim that I have you and you're living in me that which is grotesque and twisted in my life must go every ulterior motive every plan B every trying to be a co-god, must be put to death. This is important for all of us to hear. Because if we don't crucify the flesh, it will try to revive and take over. One of the dangerous things about the flesh taking over is not only the haughty eyes, but continue continued look at what he's doing, what he's doing, what she's doing. Instead of coming quietly before God and say, "Lord God, change me," I don't want to be a hindrance to Your temple. Imagine if somebody brought something shoddy. God said, "Bring this crossbar, bring this fine linen." They brought material that has little tear here and there, something that is faded. Everything was brought in an excellent manner they brought the best and they did their best the spirit of God came and empowered them because the people involved had reverence and the people who didn't they died as we see two of Aaron's sons the first high priest's sons the people in line to succeed Aaron what a holy office what a privilege to be one man who represents a few million people not as an ambassador to another country and have all the privileges and perks, but for the living God, holy. These boys, these brothers, they came to God and they said, wow, we have our dad and we have the prophecy and promise. Oh yeah, we're safe and we're going to be next in line to be the high priest and one of us at least. And everything is looking up and up. They act like street people. Profane. Say, well, I'll bring my fire. I don't have to do it God's way. I'm in already. I'm safe. They died. They were out. We need to preach this to ourselves and to the people of this world, beginning with the church. God absolutely hates sin. And He is hostile toward it and he would burn it up. And whoever would hold sin in their lives would come under the wrath of God. That never changes. We see that in the New Testament also. We quoted that yesterday. But we have this great privilege to be holy. So the light needs the oil. The entrance of your words bring light, the psalmist says. The entrance of your words just comes into my heart, produces light. It gets all the darkness, all of the devil stuff out of my life and I'm free. But that's because the Holy Spirit illuminated the Word. He supplied what is necessary for the Word to light up our lives. And this is why not only can we say there are people who don't believe, who read the Bible and there's no change, Is the potency of the word of God not a truth? It has to mix with faith. You can have a tablet. You can have a vitamin, even a mega vitamin. If the water is not mixed with it, none of that potency will benefit the person. They can have it in their pocket. They can have it in their shelves. And so the oil of the Holy Spirit is necessary for us to read and it starts with a humble heart of total repentance. There's no way the light will come. Gold had to be beaten, gold. We have to come under His word, not our own word. God only knows how many people in some of the mega churches and in some of the small churches. Size is not the only thing God looks at to determine whether people true or not. What really is in the heart? God has many things to say about the poor, how He defends the cause of the poor. Don't oppress the poor. I'll I'll be there for the poor. But He also says you should not twist judgment for the poor. He's a true God. He sees through and through. The way man sees and the sympathy that man brings God knows who's a rascal and who's righteous. We need to be very reverent before God and encourage each other to be what? Holy. Only those people make it to heaven. No matter what they say about Jesus and how many Bibles they have and how many times they preached, how many places they ministered in, God says it's 0 he It'll actually condemn you. You're taking my word into your mouth. Or you're living selfishly. May God continue to purge us in our church. Exodus 28 these the culprits Nadab and Abihu. Later on, they would die instantly. We need to read the Word of God and know that it's for us. Exodus is not just for the Jews. It's for the true Jews, one who are devoted to God inwardly, which includes us. We're not Jewish. But if the hearts are circumcised before God, then we are the true kingdom of priests before Him. Hallelujah. Exodus 28. Someone please read. Exodus 28 talks about the chest piece, the ephod, the robe the bells attached so many things that God has given how carefully and he says the priest may die be careful
2: because
0: God is holy Exodus chapter 28 you can see the heading there, clothing for the priests. Someone please read 1 through 14, and someone else 15 to the rest of the chapter.
2: Praise Exodus 28, verse a New Living Translation, 1 to 14. Call for your brother, Aaron and his sons, Nadab, Abihu, and Eleazar, and Itamar, Set them apart from the rest of the people of Israel so they may minister to me and be my priests. Make sacred garments for Aaron that are glorious and beautiful. Instruct all the skilled craftsmen whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom. Have them make garments for Aaron that will distinguish him as priests set apart for my service. These are the garments they are to make: a chest piece and a robe a pattern to a, a turban and a sash. They are to make these sacred garments for your brother, Aaron and his sons to wear, and they serve me as priests. Give them fine linen cloth, gold th- gold thread and blue, purple and sacred thread. The craftsmen must make that pot of finely woven linen and skillfully embroider it with gold and with blue, purple and ska- scarlet thread. It will Consists of two pieces, front and back, joined at the shoulders with two shoulder pieces. The decorative sash will be made of the same material. Finally, woman linen embroidered with gold and with blue, purple, and sacred thread. Take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the tribes of Israel. Six names will be on each stone, arranged in the order of the birth. Of the original Son of Israel. Engrave these names on the two stones in the same way a jeweler engraves a seal. And mount the stones in the setting of gold filigree. Fasten the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the sword as a reminder that Aaron represents the people of Israel. Aaron will carry this name on his shoulder as a constant reminder whenever he goes before the Lord. Make the setting of gold filigree and braid two cords of pure gold and attach them to, attach them to the filigree settings on the shoulder of the effort verse 15
1: onwards then with great skill and care, make a chest piece to be worn for seeking a decision from God. Make it to match the ephod using finely woven linen embroidered with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet thread. Make the chest piece of a single piece of cloth folded to form a pouch nine inches square mount four rows of gemstones on it the first row will contain a red carnelian a pale green peridot and an emerald the second row will contain a turquoise a blue lapis lazuli and a white Moonstone. The third row will contain an orange, jacinth, an agate, and a pure amethyst. The fourth row will contain a blue green beryl, an onyx, and a green jasper. All these stones will be set in gold filigree. Each stone will represent one of the twelve sons of Israel and the name of that tribe will be engraved on it like a seal. To attach the chest piece to the ephod, make braided cords of pure gold thread. Then make two gold rings and attach them to the top corners of the chest piece. Tie the two gold cords to the two rings on the chest piece. Tie the other ends of the cords to the gold settings on the shoulder pieces of the ephod. Then make two more gold rings and attach them to the inside edges of the chest piece next to the ephod. And make two more gold rings and attach them to the front of the ephod, below the shoulder pieces, just above the knot where the decorative sash is fastened to the ephod. Then attach the bottom rings of the chest piece to the rings on the ephod with blue cords. This will hold the chest piece securely to the ephod above the decorative sash. In this way, Aaron will carry the names of the tribes of Israel on the sacred chest piece over his heart when he goes into the holy place. This will be a continual reminder that he represents the people when he comes before the Lord. Insert the Urim and Thummim into the sacred chest piece So they will be carried over Aaron's heart when he goes into the Lord's presence. In this way, Aaron will always carry over his heart, the objects used to determine the Lord's will for his people whenever he goes in before the Lord. Praise God.
0: Praise God. Someone else, please finish the rest of the chapter. Verse 31.
3: Make the robe that is worn with the ephod from a single piece of blue cloth with an opening for Aaron's head in the middle of it. Reinforce the opening with a woven Collar so it will not tear. Make pomegranates out of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and attach them to the hem of the robe with gold bells between them. The gold bells and pomegranates are to alternate all around the hem. Aaron will wear this robe whenever he ministers before the Lord, and the bells will tinkle as he goes in and out. Of the Lord's presence in the holy place if he wears it he will not die next make a medallion of pure gold and engrave it like a seal with these words holy to the Lord attach the medallion with the blue cord to the front of Aaron's turban where it must remain Aaron must wear it on his forehead so he may take on himself any guilt of the people of Israel when they consecrate their sacred offerings. He must always wear it on his forehead, so the Lord will accept the people. Weave Aaron's patterned tunic from fine linen cloth. Fashion the turban from this linen as well. Also make a sash and decorate it with colorful embroidery for Aaron's sake for Aaron's sons make tunics sashes and special head coverings that are glorious and beautiful clothe your brother Aaron and his sons with these garments and then anoint and ordain them consecrate them so they can serve as my priests also make linen undergarments for them to be worn to be worn next to their bodies reaching from their hips to their thighs these must be worn whenever Aaron and his sons enter the tabernacle or approach the altar in the holy place to perform their priestly duties then they will not incur guilt and die this is a permanent law for Aaron and all his descendants after him
0: Praise God praise the Lord even to the aspect of the clothing underneath this robe and the pieces the Lord is so careful to give what they need to be pure to be accepted with God because they're representing the people and coming into the presence of God themselves How marvelous to be able to slow down and read God's word and hear it. The more we hear it, the more we will understand what it means when our hearts are right with a heart to hear. The priesthood, as someone may think today, those in other religions who have priests, we're not talking about pastors and teachers of the word, evangelists or prophets or Apostles, but those who are priests, they have a system, rituals of altar and incense, and it's a continuation of the Jewish priesthood in a sense, but they call it Christian. It's actually not Christian. But they have seminaries and institutions where they go to study to be priests. And when the person that is called to be a priest, whether it's some little village in Italy, or in Germany, or in the United States, or in India, or Africa, wherever they have so-called priests, there's a certain reverence that is afforded them. And a person cannot just say, today I want to be a priest, they have to go to school. They had to mix with the other fathers and priests to learn how to be a priest. They had to study maybe Latin and the biblical languages. The Greek and Hebrew, maybe some Aramaic, depending on what kind of priest they would be and where they would be trained. But they'd be trained on how to conduct themselves and how to appear before the people And all of that, when God has done away with the priesthood, so what on earth are they doing? They're trying to continue what God has fulfilled in Christ. Because now, no one needs to go to school to become a priest before God. No one needs to go to any special training. Monastery or seminary to be a priest as we've mentioned before in times past it's absolutely mind-boggling that the common person can become a priest before God yet it's true through the blood of the Lamb of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit a person can be transformed to become a priest Everyone on the morning call, including myself, every believer is a priest before God. But the definition of a believer is one who not only accepts Jesus as my Lord, as we heard the other days, not only says, well, I've got to trust Him for everything I need in life, my provisions, but it's the life of obeying His laws, obeying His word, And although the Christians, as Christians, we don't use the word law as they did in the Old Testament. We're still bound by God's law. Not the old covenant, but a new law of love. But we cannot enter into God's presence if we do not love our neighbors. If we don't love the people we live with. There's bitterness and all kinds of wrangling going on. There's a big problem In some cases, God says, I won't hear any prayer, period, from you. But as the bodies of the priests and the high priests washed with pure water, we'll see more elaborate discussion of that in Leviticus. So the garments had to be particularly made of certain material. Everything was holy. Holy. Can you picture yourself, brother, sister, this morning? Or myself? Wearing these intricately woven linen and with these precious stones that filigree refers to something that is complex, meticulously and skillfully Twined together, intertwined and woven together. It could be gold, it could be some fine linen, some material. And notice in the beginning, he said, for glory and for beauty. Why would the garments of the priest be so beautiful with all these precious stones? How good God is. God doesn't say, well, I'm special and you're not. He is Almighty God. We derive our beauty from Him. And God loves His children. He not only loves to see us prosper, but He loves to see us beautiful. with the glory. But they had to listen to do it God's way. And we must do life God's way. Otherwise we'd be the living dead producing a living grave and living hell. That's the alternative. There's no in-between state at all. We either glorify God or we tear down God's kingdom. There's no other way. There's no neutrality. None whatsoever. And we're going to look at First Peter and we're going to see what it means to live holy and how the priesthood Pertains to us, we don't have these external beautiful embroidery and sash and turban. Imagine if every Christian had that walking around with gemstones and onyx stones and I mean it'll be just fabulous, beautiful. but these are all a type. We must not look at the type and the shadow, but look at the antitype and the fulfillment. God's looking for beauty in the heart. We are called to be servants, children of the Most High God. Now, there are those who are pastors and evangelists who are, who are called servants of God in a different sense. They've dedicated their lives to serving God and to, they're called of God. Not every believer is called to be a pastor or evangelist or prophet or apostle or teacher. There, there's a specific office is given and a functionality. In the body of Christ to equip people and to present them wholly before God. However, in another sense, every one of us is a servant of God. The distinction must not be blurred. Because of that, we have people who... Not only don't know what to call him God is, but they won't be able to receive what God has, so we need to understand that, but this morning we're looking at the priesthood of all believers. You don't have to go to school, you don't have to go to monastery, you don't have to study Latin, you don't have to do anything according to the scriptures, except to come. Can be broken in your heart. Not broken because I lost my job or lost my car or lost my girlfriend or boyfriend. And I'm broken and shattered because my TV set doesn't work. I miss my programs. And today I was looking forward to popcorn and I don't have any. And many people cry over many things. The brokenness God is looking for is a focus on what really matters. Have I come to that bronze laver? And before that, the bronze altar. If I'm going to be a priest of God, and God calls all believers, true believers, priests, men and women, men and women, and every child that's born again is a little priest, that's true. Am I clothed properly before I come to God's presence? Do I have humility and faith and righteousness? And have I done what I need to do? No one, whether priest, as all believers are, or pastor, or prophet, or apostle, or teacher, evangelist, no one can come to God without checking their hearts. We live in a day and age where people have said it doesn't matter if you're the President of the United States and you have some private problems there and sin your personal life, and your public life, well, we just care about whether you pass the right legislation. But when the heart is defiled, everything becomes defiled. Even that which seems to be a nice piece of legislation. They have problems because a person is defiled. How can something good flow out of something bad? The Lord Jesus said, you'll know the tree by its fruit. No matter what kind of exterior person tries to put on. The ugliness will show forth. It will defile everything. No matter how good they look on the outside, it will come through. God will expose it. And why do human beings not look at that first? The character? Before anything else? He said either make the tree good and its fruit good, or corrupt and the fruit corrupt. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. You'll know the tree by its fruit. This is how we know who the children of God are. All who are righteous belong to God, and all who sin belong to the devil. The Spirit of God says in First John. But as we close this morning, in the backdrop of what we just read about the tabernacle so far and the priests, we've just begun let that impress upon our hearts that it's a sacred calling to be born again. There's a particular character that goes with it and we have to desire that. We have to be sorry, truly sorry for our sins to be a partaker of that. We're going to look at First 1 Peter 1.13 to 2.12 It's a powerful word of God in First Peter 13. To two twelve, pertaining to what we just read, and our high calling. First Peter. One. Thirteen. To sixteen. Someone please read that.
3: Praise the Lord. First Peter, one,
0: thirteen to sixteen. So. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the
3: gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed
0: to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You don't know any better than you don't know any better than but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy; for the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy Praise the, Lord. the Bible says you didn't know any better than you didn't know before you got born again. Now you know better, now we know better, so God is urging us. And he's warning us that we must be holy. Someone, please read one seventeen in the first book of Peter, down to verse nineteen.
1: One well, Peter, NIV version, verse seventeen through nineteen. or defect. Praise God.
0: Praise God. In the New Living Translation, it says, He will judge or reward you according to what you do. He has no favorites. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom we pray has no favorites. In the sense that He won't let anyone off the hook who things they can presume upon God's grace as we'll see in another day is exactly what Nadab and Abihu did These sons of Aaron God will judge everyone or reward each one of us according to what we do now the greatest privileges we're breathing right now we're conscious and we're able to think and say my God I need to set my heart right before you please Lord forgive me of all of the folly all of the selfishness all of the doubting and fear and whatever corruption has come out of me forgive me Lord help me not to misrepresent you to the world help me that in everything I do and say I'm bringing glory to you how easy to sing songs and feel reverent and feel God's presence and then go and live opposite to that how do you live opposite to that not just in blatant sin where everybody can see it but it's in other ways that we don't really glorify him in everything we do we try to mix in the flesh with that bring in our stuff with God's stuff it's a dangerous thing because it will damage our own souls and people who watch us But in everything I do, Lord, may I be pleasing to you. Everything I do, everything I say. My words, my actions, my motives. What is the image you're presenting to the world? Is Christ really who you're showing to the world in everything you do? Everything you say. Or are people misled into other things when they see you because you have another agenda? And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge your reward according to what you do. You see, God is not a harsh judge. He's not a tyrant. He's a loving Heavenly Father, but He's holy God. He's a just God. And the closer we get to Him, the more we see what the Father likes and what produces life, because all that he likes, all of his word gives life. And so he expects the progress. Is it not fair? The more we're entrusted with, the more responsibility we have to change. And so for many people who are lukewarm and who are babies, just drinking milk, you say, oh, I can do this, I can do that, I have Christian liberty, who are you to judge and don't judge me, and I don't like that church and that pastor or those people because they're always judging people and they don't let me wear what I want and do what I want. No, it's not us. There's a legalism as we hear sometimes when people want to be this denomination or that denomination or non-denomination or whatever it is and say, you can't wear this, you can't wear that, and you have to come, it's almost like a uniform externally, It's all nonsense. But there's a decency in reflecting a purity and honor to God. With that, we ourselves can know what God's will is. A person's conscience will tell him or her what's not acceptable with God. They really desire God and want to follow Him. Otherwise, a person can be a hypocrite. How many people? How many people? You can just see it in social media. How many people? How many churches and even pastors and their wives and their daughters? Just the other day, I happened to look up a certain minister who's very famous. We have met him some years ago, very famous. And he was at a ball game with his granddaughters. These Rather slim children, probably no more than 14 or 15 or 16, out in public wearing what looks like a nightgown. Not a nightgown, some kind of virtual undergarment. And he's a person that preaches holiness and he preaches separation to a far greater degree than anyone else. But there he is in the ballpark, flanking or being flanked by two of his granddaughters, proud. you think about it, what is the motivation? Is he trying to be a grandfather that is accessible, that understands, you know, my granddaughters, they really don't know, and I don't want to discourage them from the faith, and let them just kind of learn a little more. As they grow, you know, they'll change. Or is there that sacred, responsibility and calling of God impressed upon his heart that I can't be in these pictures, I don't care who it is. The priests were not to consider their family at all when it came to serving God, representing God. Nobody should stop them or cause them to misrepresent God. And that too in public and to post the pictures. Is that beauty? Or is it flaunting of something that is very fleshly and foolish and defiling you think about it what if he spoke to his sons or his daughters whoever it is the parents of these granddaughters and said you know they shouldn't be addressing like in public would the sons or the children say well we're not going to have anything to do with you because you're judging my daughter and judging what we're doing and it's about the heart it's not about what we wear so don't judge us see so yeah, how the devil can come and mix up everything or does the grandfather especially as a pastor the man of God need to say I love you with all my heart I'll give anything for you but our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit children must be trained to fear and love God. That's not the way you do this. And what will you attract? Good people when you dress like that? So many things that are wrong with that picture quite literally is basically telling the children you can dress however you want I'll still love you. There's a problem with that statement because It can mask a total lack of love for God, where the people become more important than God. My relationships with people, it's all about relationship, relationship, relationship. Yes, our relationship with people are very, very important. We must not burn those relationships, but we must be the first ones to set fire to anything from the devil that relationship will try to bring in. To try to burn our relationship with God. Uh, The Ten Commandments, the first four, had to do with relationship with God. God comes first. Only then, when we take a stand, and people may hate us for that. Even relatives who go to church, and who otherwise may be students of the Bible, and even ministers. Why are you telling me that it's wrong? To have my wife and my daughters and my niece and whoever dressed like this and show this and that, and they're just being themselves. They're being beautiful. What do you want? What do you expect? You want them to go out with a big paper bag over their head and a garbage bag around them? Not to show anything? They're human beings and they're made feminine for a reason and can have all kinds of arguments grieve the Holy Spirit can we not be beautiful and express masculinity or femininity whatever God has made us in a dignified way in a holy way and still be beautiful and and still not put a paper bag or garbage bag around to hide this or that for fear of seducing somebody all kinds of reasonings foolishness abound and compromise And what happens? Just like the world. What's the difference? Dress like a Canaanite? Act like a Canaanite? Talk like a Canaanite? What is the difference? Well, you know, Paul said when in Rome, act like a Roman. He didn't say that exactly. But what he said was, for the sake of Christ... to break down walls don't put up barriers and say I'm a Jew and therefore I can't talk to a Gentile and I'm not going to preach the gospel and there are Grecians here, Grecian widows and Jewish widows and I don't care if they're Grecian widows, after all they're come you know, they just came into the faith and they're not as important as the Jews no, all of that is from the devil but to dress like a heathen and act like a heathen and put forth an agenda from the world when I'm a Christian that's betraying the Lord. And uh, you just think, if the motivation of that grandfather was a pastor, world famous, he wants to show love that they remember granddaddy. You know, he was a fiery man of God. He preached the gospel and he told people, you can't sin and play games with God. And He really loved this and we love grandpa. And what if one of those children get defiled because of the way they dress you know what will happen? I can guarantee you. Knowing that person, that minister. First thing is he wants, he'll want to find the person who did it to kill them. Never mind that you never stepped in to tell your grandchild and your children, you may hate me for this, you may not communicate with me and not let me see my grandchildren. But I want to tell you something, I fear God is a standard. And it's not about whether you love me. It's about whether God sees that I'm honoring Him and following Him. And I'm not going to let you live like trash, act like trash, when you're so precious before God. And God has given you dignity and honor. You see, the mind has not been conformed to the Word of God; it's still after the pattern of the world, and this compromises. Now. That individual won't dress like that or allow his wife to dress like that. No, 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 no. And it's not just because they're old. Sometimes we can get soft on sin because of it's not in my backyard. I'm just visiting. We need to be careful that we are not the cause for someone to fall because we kept quiet or because we want to take some nice pictures have a great day at the ballpark with the grandkids. Posted all over the place. That kind of family bonding is like Aaron, the high priest. Think of this. Calling Nadab and Abihu, who offered strange fire to the Lord before they died, they were killed by the Lord, to say, My sons, I love you. It's like Eli telling his sons, You really shouldn't be doing this. He knows. Immoral and greedy, and it's not good, my son. Please stop. Oh, yeah, I'll be there for the birthday party, and after that, we'll go golfing. And we really should be careful, you know. Just saying, I'm not going anywhere. It's like the sons of Aaron coming and saying, Look, Dad, what I found. I found a solid piece of gold, Dad. And it weighs 50 pounds. It's just a statue of Baal, but it's solid gold. Have you ever seen anything like this, Dad? The compromise of Aaron at that time at the foot of the mountain, when he made that golden calf, caused the lives of thousands of people. He himself never entered the promised land either. There are consequences. We have to know that our thinking and our judgments and our behavior and what we allow and how we represent God will not only cost other people, sometimes their souls, sometimes their physical lives and both, sometimes their purity. They're demons that are looking because if you dress like what the demons like, demons will come and live with you. And how can I as a grandfather, if I'm a grandfather, I'm not a grandfather, but as a father or an aunt or a grandmother or whatever. See the devil influencing my children or my grandchildren and say nothing about it. Because a relationship with man, more important than relationship with God. What do you think would have happened if an Israelite brought in an expensive statue of Baal? I mean has the finest materials woven in it's just dazzling I mean you can't throw it away can you I mean can't we do something with it let's just let it sit here and we'll think about what to do no clearly shows that's an idol quite literally an idol so it is with everything including relationships if we don't have the love for God and fear of God more than the love for people my own agenda now I appear before people what I'm trying to pass off to people I'm going to cause problems for their souls, for their lives and for myself. It's very important to know what holiness entails and we've illustrated that to a degree. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. As I said, this legalistic thing and some people mention it from, from time to time the women can't wear this or that so long as it's decent there's no rule to say you can't wear this or that the principle is you're a godly woman what does that look like you're a godly man what does that look like you see very clearly in God's word by spirit so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living, whatever culture we've come from, whatever lifestyle. Don't go back to God said. Not simply drinking and drugs and going all over the place with every person we find. But it's also the attitudes and the things we like. That's why it's so hard for some people Oh, I can't eat this. I can't watch that. I can't do this. Oh, I feel so restricted. I don't know what to do. I'm going to bite my fingernails and I'm going to go crazy. I need to have something. That means the heart is very much in love with the world and stuff. That's what it means. But a person who loves God, every word of God, every law will revive their souls because it will teach them how to live. Real happiness will come. And you know what? The world, including family, will see there's a standard there. This relative will not compromise. They're willing to risk our relationship because of their love for God? Let me see, is this legalistic or is it actually spiritual? As we often say, there will be someone, at least one person will come over a righteous life and be a world changer through our non-compromising stand for God's holiness and righteousness. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. You didn't know before. Now you know. But now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I'm holy. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as quote unquote temporary residence. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the crook, the robber, the thief, the murderer, who? The devil. He paid a ransom. And it happened because of our sin, our willfulness to defy God. So we're not just captives, innocent. We're guilty. But God knew that and he still died for us. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Ungodly, vain. Idolatrous. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver. God didn't say, I'm going to give you half a million dollars to let my child go. No. It took his blood to satisfy not the devil, but God's holy wrath against all sin. God didn't make a deal with the devil. God does not make a deal with the devil to save us. He'll interact with him. And allow him like a dog on a leash to do certain things. But the reason is not because he doesn't love us. God shows the excellency of his glory and his power. And he has condemnation also with the devil for every evil thing he does. And as Joseph said. But evil people. The devil meant for evil. Working through them. God has turned everything around. God knows what he's doing. He's perfect and holy. It was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose Him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days He has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because He raised Christ from the dead and gave Him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins. When you obeyed the truth. How that flies in the face of those with easy believism. Jesus paid it all and he cleansed me with his blood. I couldn't do it myself. That's true. We cannot do it ourselves. But we had to obey his truth. How? Believing on him which includes following him. That's why in 1 John 1 it says we have fellowship with one another with God first the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us if we're walking with him so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters everyone should have an ugliness detector just like we have smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors all kinds of alerts on our phone, imagine if on your phone you'll hear this loud alarm and buzzing every time you acted ugly, which is not really loving the brothers and sisters, some kind of animosity, some kind of jealousy, some kind of fear, some kind of doubting, some kind of suspicion, some kind of ickiness, and well, it's not my family to say we're one in the spirit, but not to live like that. And God doesn't say pretend when somebody is a hypocrite that he's not a hypocrite, she's not a hypocrite. He doesn't say pretend when they're doing something to defile God's house that they're not doing it and love, love, love. No, no, no. The truth comes in to say you better stop because it's not my house, your house is God's house. It's the temple of God, this church. They have to warn each other when things are wrong because we love God and love people sincerely but imagine if we had a detector on the phone built in the moment we think a thought a motive is not right or pure big blaring alarm everybody can see we'll say oh shut that alarm where's that button but on judgment day there'll be no snooze button nothing to stop it everything will play out we have to get right now you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth So now you must show sincere love to each other, brothers and sisters. How do you do that? First and foremost, spending time praying for the people and checking our attitude when we think about them in the privacy of our own hearts, which is actually very public before God. Certain people in the house of God, when you think about them, what do you think? If they're bad, they're doing something wrong, we won't be happy we must still love and forgive, remembering where God took us from. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Love is, first and foremost, goodwill in the heart to people. For you have been born again, not to a life, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass, their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. But the word, and that word is the good news that was preached to you. So we're going to conclude going up to verse 12 in First Peter two. This all goes together, being holy and being God's priesthood. As we finish, someone please read First Peter two one to twelve. First Peter two chapter
3: first Peter two verse one to twelve. So get rid of all evil behaviour. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy. And all unkind speech like newborn babies you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust Him recognize the honor God has given Him. But for those who reject Him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And He is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, that even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behaviour and they will give honor to God when He judges the world.
0: Amen. First Peter two nine. It's good to highlight that. But you are not like that. Like what? People disobey. People who reject God. People who don't live holy. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priests, A holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. What is darkness? Everything that is not love, not truthful, and selfish. He called us out of that lifestyle. The joy that we have, the freedom when we get born again should continue and intensify. that's how we can know whether the beauty of God, the glory of God rests upon us because we're free. No one's held hostage in our hearts because we haven't forgiven them. We're free to love, to forgive, live honorably, holily, Know that we are priests unto God. If we were called to go to a school to train priests or a monastery, or whatever, imagine how we'd feel. Out of all the people, you're chosen because you're going to represent people to God, and here's your garment, and everything changes. What priest would have that garment like Aaron, the high priest, with all these precious stones, elaborate embroidery? holy garments and a miter on the head and the sash and all these things with the bells just glorious and majestic holy go with that garment to the liquor store the corner store and buy some 50 cents colored drink full of artificial stuff bag of potato chips and go get some beer and we think that's, that's just just not right that picture is wrong even the world knows that that's how it looks to God and should look to us when we behave like the world in our attitudes we can't forgive people we're bitter nag people and always try to put pressure on people to turn into what we want them to be that's the carnal nature that God delivered us from I have to stop and think why am I behaving like this how many times do you think that not to beat ourselves up and go into this endless introspection keep on looking at every little thing and being burdened by it and condemned no but it's to deal with it as it is you see ugly get rid of it confess it to God that's not the right attitude Lord I'm sorry Lord become stable ask God for stability we can pray for that we can cry out for that and uh, God will answer praise be to God who's sufficient for this me you no the Lord, we can lean upon him, we can cry out into him, and he'll make us beautiful with his beauty he wants that, he desires that he's coming for a beautiful bride chaste pure, without spot wrinkle, any such thing and we are to walk like we're priests, imagine if you go to work today you go do something meet with family, or whatever you do. You're walking around with this clothing, this glory of God. It's the truth. We carry the presence of God even more beautiful and powerful than what Aaron had on him. With his garments. He had a holy anointing, very sacred. Like that we have a holy anointing. But the beauty that we have in Christ... It was just symbolized by what he wore. We have the substance. How holily we must live. You see, that's what God brings us to. Because of all that's happened from Exodus, from all of this up till now, and what Jesus did, how holily you should be. Careful to be pure. Loving and kind and forgiving. and Separate from this filthy world. Having joy growing being a real light like the light in the tabernacle blessed be the name of the Lord Father in heaven we thank you and thank you Lord for the many exhortations the warnings of truth Lord and every good thing Lord that you've shown us it's just a small portion of all you have for us Lord to help us to think clearly to consider how we're representing you because no matter where we are, where we frequent, what we do, what time of day or night, with family or with friends or with church people, or by ourselves, on the job, in school, in the marketplace, carrying the presence of God, a holy anointing. Help us, Lord, to hate ugly which is pride and arrogance and despising people, judging them with unrighteous judgment. Anything that tries to make ourselves look good, help us, Lord, to trash that, to be humble, genuinely, peaceable, first and foremost in our very homes. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of the Most High God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. The big trouble is not with others. It's often with ourselves. We can come and get cleansed. Not at a altar of burnt offering or bronze labor to wash ourselves externally. But to say, Lord, would you forgive me again? Cleanse me from this, Lord. I don't want this in my life. Oh, I don't want bitterness in my life. I hate it. I don't want unforgiveness. It's eating me up. I don't want to be arrogant or judge people. I want racism out of my life. God, have mercy. Who am I? Help me to love others like you love me. Help me to be the same behind closed doors as outside. If I'm kind to people on the outside, help me to be even more so to the people in my house. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. May it change every one of us, Lord, to be more and more like Jesus, the everlasting light, the holy high priest of God for us. As We're a kingdom of priests unto you. We praise you, Father, for the Saturday morning, for the truth. Hallelujah. Blessed be the rock in Jesus' name. Bless the service tomorrow, oh my God. Help us, Lord, to come with a mature understanding. We're coming to meet with you and worship you, Lord. We're carrying the presence of God coming together so the glory of God can come down, touch everyone. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, I pray, as Pastor prayed also, we continue to pray for maturity that we may present every man, every woman, every child perfect before Christ. Help us to continue to work toward spiritual maturity, Lord. It starts with deep humility before God and man true love and desire that God's truth would be seen in our lives and conveyed to everybody blessed be your name in Jesus name we thank you Amen